0: What is up? Everybody, welcome into episode 13? 13 of all, Say This with Chris Castellani. I'm your host, Chris Castellani, and the host of this show, as of 4.13 p.m. on Sunday, April 24th, is kind of running on fumes. I was at Comerica on Saturday to witness some history, watched a doubleheader on the first nice day that we've seen in Michigan in 10 months, and um, I'm pretty exhausted right now, but we're going to power through it, and, and a big reason for it is we have a fair amount to talk about, most of it Tigers-related. This is going to be another one of those episodes that's a little bit wonky. I, I believe in transparency. I think it's important for me, it's important for the audience, and it's important for producer Matt, who's done such a good job of piecing this stuff together uh, since I've started doing this show. I'm recording right now at 4.13, as I just said, by 11.59 tonight, Caleb Houston Hunter Dickinson and Musa Diabate are going to have to make their decision about whether or not they're going to test the NBA waters. If they make that decision, there will be a segment added to the end of this show. This is one of those things that I bring this up just because I know I don't if one person pointed out, I get upset. That's how fragile I am. So I, I bring it up just letting you know could be a little wonky, but for the most part should be a pretty straightforward show. And we're going to obviously start with what was a very bittersweet weekend for the Detroit Tigers the first game was it wasn't my favorite no turnbulls no hitter probably is my favorite obviously but I would say probably the most memorable Tigers game since JD Martinez's pinch hit home run off of Chris Sale in 2016 Miguel Cabrera on a beautiful Saturday afternoon in Detroit Michigan collected hit number 3,000 and look I know I've been a little bit of a stick in the mud when it comes to this chase, the way that I was a stick in the mud when it came to home run number 500. What you people have to understand is, as I said a week ago, I'm a bit of a prick. And beyond that, all I care about is just winning games. That's how I feel every single day. I just want the Tigers to win every single, every single, every single day. That's all I want. And so internally, I was like, all right, 3,000 will be great. It's a historical moment but I want to win. That's what matters to me more. Now, what made this so perfect was the fact that hey, he got 3000, it put the Tigers in front and they won 13 nothing that day. They played one of the best games they've played in a long time easily. The best game they've played this season. It was really a magical moment and I'll acknowledge straight up. Um yeah, I've been a, I've been a bit of a bit of a crumudgeon. I acknowledge that. I typically am when you're there in person and you see people cheering and people were crying seeing miggy hit number 3000 i mean unless you're made of stone it's hard not to be a little bit moved by all of that i again made myself look like an idiot they said there was going to be a ceremony if miggy got 3000 but do these people know what a ceremony is it was perfect it was exactly what it should have been five-plus minutes, maybe, maybe, I might be really, like, going overboard with that, of delays, hugs, hand-pounds, waving to the crowd, hugging his family. It was beautiful. And how great was Dan Dickerson's call? It was perfect. And even Shep's, I thought, was pretty good. Um, and then they went back to playing the game. I was under the impression they were going to bring out, like, podiums and shit. So I was like, don't don't pause the game for 30 minutes, but it was perfect. I'm as guilty as anybody, of being caught up in what the future holds and just wanting to have a good team and not understanding and living in the moment. 3,000 hits is a massive deal, and it ain't going to be done for a long time. I know I talked about this a little bit on my last show. I talked about this in the blog I wrote after Miggy got 3,000. It's going to be, I would say, around a decade till we see it again, because I don't see anyone from the current crop of players that's going to do it. I don't think Cano does it. I don't think Harper does it. I don't think Altuve does it. Obviously, Molina's not going to do it. I mean, he's going to retire at the end of the year. McCutcheon's not going to do it. Elvis Andrews, obviously. like Those are like the active guys that were like, at the top of that list. I think it's going to be like 10, 15 years when maybe a Juan Soto or a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. does it. Mean, and that's put a lot of faith in it. It's so weird how it works. And it just goes to show how good Miguel Cabrera has been. Because Jose Altuve is one of the best hitters I've ever seen. I don't think he gets the 3000 The fact that you have a guy. And I look, I get it. And I, I've been as open about it as, as anybody. And people have gotten upset with me for being open about it. And I understand that. But even though he's been replacement level for like five, six years, he's been better this season. We are talking about a guy who's done things on a major league ball field that very few have ever done. I believe off the top of my head, correct me if I'm wrong, only seven players in major league history have 500 home runs and 3,000 hits. Seven. Do you know how many guys have made it to the major leagues? First of all, do you know how hard it is to get to the major leagues, let alone stay there and let alone be that good? That's, um, it's an amazing accomplishment. But beyond that, what moved me was not Miggy getting hit number three thousand. That's a, that's a great individual accomplishment. That's fun to see. What moved me was seeing the fans and seeing Comerica Park filled again, seeing it rocking. And what I'm about to say is going to be so cornball, but it's true. It's just a reminder that Detroit sports fans as a whole are dying for a hero. They're dying for something to believe in again and these last four or five years have been so rough i say last four or five years but i feel like i said that one or two years ago i feel like it's really we're coming up on like six or seven of a lot of ineptitude and miggy's three thousandth hit was a reminder of the way things used to be because there was a time and i know look i I think, I'd have to double check. Maybe producer Matt can get back on me with some analytics. I think I appeal more to like a younger demographic. I think there are people, the point I'm trying to make, as I pound the table for no reason, the point I'm trying to make is that there are people listening to this show right now or watching this show on YouTube who don't know how good it felt to have a team from 2006 to 2014 that you knew every year had a shot at being great. And a lot of times they came up short. I understand that. But at the same time, seeing the park filled, Going to the park. I want to watch Verlander pitch. I want to see Miggy hit. I want to see Prince Fielder bat behind Miguel Cabrera and maybe go deep. Those moments were so precious. And I am as guilty as anyone of saying, you know, it's bittersweet. They didn't win a World Series, but they mattered. And the fans in Michigan want things to matter again. Miguel Caprero's 3,000th hit was beautiful. That game was beautiful. Man, how good was Scooball? That, that got me more excited than Mickey's three thousand. He was dealing. He looked so good. The bullpen's been great, and they've gotten scoreless innings out of guys that you would not expect to get scoreless innings out of. But my biggest fear, and it's been why I've been so cynical about this whole chase, as great as that moment was and as awesome as Saturday was, at least the first game on Saturday, Is that I just worry that when we get to the end of this year, that's going to be the main thing they show in a highlight reel. I don't want that. I want to be good. I don't want to lose two out of three at home to the Rockies. And I sure as f*** don't, by the end of April or early May, want to look at the standings and be like they got no shot. Because it's time we face facts. This team is 6-9 and right now. They go on the road against Minnesota. And look, do I think Minnesota is gangbusters this year? No, I don't. I still have serious questions about their pitching, but that doesn't matter because our offense can't hit a fucking baseball. So even if their pitching isn't great, they've got Buxton and Correa and Kepler. They got some dogs in that lineup, they got some boppers. And then guess what? I think we go on the road to Los Angeles to face the Dodgers. But if, if they're 7 and 14, I don't think that'll happen, but it's not, you know, out of the realm of possibility. That 3,000th hit. Just a blip in the radar. I mean, obviously, from a historical standpoint, it makes a huge difference, but ain't gonna move the needle. By June, the park's still gonna be two thirds empty. And I know I acknowledge completely that my cynicism just just covers other people's cynicism. Okay, I, I I get that, and I will. Look back on Saturday, that first game Saturday, with very positive memories. How can you not? You saw something that never gets seen in baseball, and as I brought up earlier, might never be seen again. But I'm just waiting for the day in which there's that pinpoint moment in which there's the turnaround. Turnbull's no-hitter, I think, was the moment in which the Tigers went from completely awful to, hey, all right, mildly competitive. But I'm waiting for the moment in which we look and go, okay, that was where we finally turned the corner there were a lot of moments like that in 2006. That's why that season holds such a special place in people's hearts. I think Granderson, with the game-tying home run against the Reds, they obviously went on to win that game, and they came back and won a lot of games that season where people started to turn and be like, oh, I might go to the park again. Tigers are pretty competitive. They're pretty good. I I want that day. I want to see that day again, and seeing Miggy get 3,000 was cool. Seeing the fans happy was cool, but they lost the next game, the second game of a doubleheader, and I just got done watching the third game of that series, and the Rockies looked like, you know, insert really good team here. The 2012 Giants, sure, they swept the Tigers. I always I always make those analogies, but I feel like I've run out. It's, it's more frustrating than it's been in the past. In the past, it was depressing because I saw what they were doing trying to lose. I don't like being insider info guy because... I don't have a lot of insider info, but I know for a fact that the people in that clubhouse, AJ, Chris Fetter, the players, are prepared and working their butts off every day to try to win, and it makes it that much more depressing when they're not coming out on top. You know, I, I, they, they are self-aware. They know how much this would mean to the organization, to the fan base, to the city, it just doesn't seem like things are clicking. Like you had that game Saturday where scuba was awesome, and you're like, "Okay, time for a winning streak." And they had one, two in a row. Technically, chance to get back to 500. Gomer shuts you down, and then Chad Cool shuts you down. I mean, good teams sweep that series, and the Rockies they got some hitters, but at home, following that first game, an emotional first game, you come back, you punch them in the mouth two more times, you get over 500, and uh, make good things happen. Not the case, so. Tigers in a rough spot, but not without some pretty amazing moments at Comerica Park on Saturday afternoon. There's a few more things I want to talk about, even not super sports-related, though. They're What did I say last week? Sports-adjacent or something like that. Where I think that with this platform and the opportunity that Barstool has given me, it gives me a chance to kind of peel back the curtain a little bit. I like that. I like the behind-the-scenes stuff, talking about my content, talking about my videos. And uh, I posted my reaction to Miguel Cabrera's 3,000th hit. And a lot of people got really upset by it. Why are you filming yourself? Which... Do you know how I got hired? I didn't get hired filming the television screen when Spencer Turnbull threw his no-hitter. Sorry, buddy boy. But, like, I think I'm in the right here. Um, I also... just I'm just bringing this up just for half a second. I'm not going to focus on this too much. But... Um, I also am not a fan, in general, of filming historical moments. Like, the resolution on Miguel Cabrera is completely HD. I'm watching it in person. So, I know people got all upset, but I'm at a game, and I'm hired to do a job. I'm hired to write blogs. I'm hired to create content. That is the content. Now, you can think it sucks wearing my backwards baseball cap. You know, maybe maybe I just have a hateable face. But, sorry, that's how I roll. That's how you have to do things. You know, um, it might be frustrating, it might be annoying, but as I said in a tweet, guys, there's a lot of videos out there of Miguel Cabrera's 3,000th. There are. Uh, Barstool does not pay me to film Miguel Cabrera. They pay me to film my reactions, and that's what I did. Beyond that, look, one thing that I love doing is being self-aware and being able to poke fun at myself and criticize myself. I think that's important. I think self-awareness is a a key uh, attribute to have in the world. My, one of my favorite scenes in any movie is the scene at the end of 8 Mile where Eminem is telling Anthony Mackie all the things he's gonna say about him. That scene rules. It's time we discuss the real important issues on this program. And that's my getup. Now, this is something I gotta get used to, okay? Because there was a time where I could crawl out of bed, my hair all disheveled, looking like crap, and just go to a ballpark and it wouldn't matter. Because, whatever, I was a nobody. I do admittedly need to find a way to improve my appearance... A little bit. Uh, and, and like, I know people always tell me, like, don't read the comments, don't read the responses. Well, you do, because other, otherwise you're putting your head in the sand and you don't know what people think of you. I mean, people could tell you your crap stinks. I think that stuff is important. They tell me not to do it all the time. I still do it. Maybe it's unhealthy, whatever. But let's go to Exhibit A, your honor. And by your honor, I mean, Producer Matt, show us the Johnny Kane picture. All right. This is the the, the issue I run into. Is that one thing that I've been provided with for 95% of the time in which I've been creating content? Is that I have the ability to shoot myself however I want to shoot myself. When I record with my phone, I can hold it up here. We're talking what? Shoulder down or shoulder up, whatever, who cares? Um, when I'm recording right now, I'm currently in shorts. So you can see me, it's a little bit less than waist up, but. Uh, When I'm out in public, uh, I don't have that luxury. Now, let's go back to this picture here for a second, Matt, if you could put it back up. Look, uh, Johnny's a cool guy. Uh, I met him before, but I had a really nice talk with him uh, at uh, Miggy's 3,000th hit game. Uh, Very cool dude, looking like a million bucks. Now, this is where I'll defend myself for a little bit here, is that Johnny Kane, as talented as he is, does get paid, admittedly, part of the job is that you gotta look good. And that's not a knock, but there's not a lot of journalists, sideline reporters, or announcers who wear burlap sacks, all right? Nobody's dressing in a hefty bag. Now, me, uh, I'm a content creator. I get paid to create content, so I go to these games, and I don't really uh, pay attention to the fact that from the waist down, I leave a lot to be desired. That photo there. Look, waist up, that's fine. You know what? Different environment you got, you got the reporter, you got the fan, cool picture. Anything below that, let's dissect it here. I've brought this up before many times that somebody once pointed out that I dress like Adam Sandler, and I try, I've like kind of like embraced it a little bit, but that person was so right that it's stuck in my head. That's brutal from the waist down. It is. Because we're talking about a really bad shorts to leg, to sock ratio, we're talking about 65% shorts, 30% socks, and maybe 5% leg, now one of the mistakes I made is that, I, I it was cold when I left, so I got, I brought high socks, not realizing it was going to be 80 on Saturday, so had I have worn shorter socks, wouldn't have been the worst picture in the world, obviously me being short doesn't do me any favors, but just to the people who have brought it up on social media, I get it, I've read the comments, and you are right. Like, this is, I got to advance a little bit. And and real talk, though, I did legitimately think about wearing the blazer on Friday and Saturday. Obviously, Friday got rained out, but it was so hot on Saturday. I couldn't, I couldn't have done it. I would have sweated through it. So, yeah, I mean, this is, this is the, a cross that I have to bear is that I can remember off the top of my head who the MVP of the 1994 World Series was. And I, you know how I know this, because the casual listener out there won't know the fact that in 1994, there wasn't a World Series. See? Boom. I subverted expectations. But I know these things. At the same time, um, I have never shopped for clothes. I'm aware of it. I'm going to try to fix it. I'm, I'm going to do what I can, all right? Because I want to make you all happy, and I want to look good. Um, I'm representing a lot here. I want to re- represent Barstool, right? And um, you don't do that by wearing you know, shorts that are five sizes too big. And this will be the last thing I'll say about this. And maybe this is running long, um, but I, I, I mean for this to be like a tongue-in-cheek, oh, you know, whatever, he's, he's capable of making fun of himself. But I remember a few years ago, I was at Comerica Park, and I ran into a woman. Uh, she wasn't in concessions, but she was a woman who worked at, at Comerica Park. She might have been an usher. And uh, she ran into me and she said, "Wow, I've I've seen you. I've seen your videos before. You're very funny and I'm proud of you because you got successful on the internet and you did it without being conventionally attractive." And I think in that moment I'm like, "Okay, who cares how I dress?" <laughs> like well, but now post weight loss, post bar stool hire, that stuff does matter. So I've become more aware of it. I don't know. It's going to be a process, but we'll see what I do with it. And I know how this goes now. I'm going to get a million comments. <laughs> Ooh, you're so hard on yourself. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I am. When have I not been? You want to be great? You got to be critical, too. All right, let's move on. Let's. Uh, this was fine. This was fun. Uh, more sports talk now. All right, well, if you're watching this on YouTube, I don't think you'll be able to see much of a difference because it's, uh, I'm, I'm in a basement. It's not Lighting isn't really that important or noticeable, but it's been several hours and I've been kind of waiting for some of Michigan's players to make their announcements. Some have, some have, not I'll talk about that in a second, but there is one guy I want to bring up and just... Put this on record, and it's Michigan State related. It was announced that Joey Hauser will be returning for his final year of eligibility at Michigan State. Now, there's a misconception that I hate Joey Hauser. I think he's garbage. I think he's a terrible person. I, I don't care. Um, I sent out a tweet uh, like two months ago where I said I just I just don't know what this guy adds to this team, quite frankly. Now he went out against Davidson, and he shoved. He was great. He won them that game. He deserved like his moment in the sun there. And he's back for one more go-around with Tom Izzo's program. And you know what? I wish him the best. I think, quite honestly... He's going to have a pretty darn good year. I think that his issues, and David Klein does such a great job uh, covering Michigan State basketball uh, online, it brought this up, is that I think the issue that Joey Hauser ran into at points last season was the way he was used. I think I don't believe he'll be this good. But one player he reminds me of a little bit is Agoran Suton, who was a guy who for three and a half years at Michigan State, I just want, I just don't think this guy's got it. Got to the tournament senior year, started strapping, making threes, helped get that team in the national championship game. So I wanted this on record to make sure that people know I don't dislike the guy. He's baffled me, and I feel like he's been overplayed by Izzo, and I do not believe he's been put in tremendous situations. But I know he can shoot, and it seemed like he was playing with a little bit more confidence near the end of the year. I think that was huge for Izzo to retain Joey Hauser, uh, they needed it because they're losing a few guys, and they might even lose a few more with guys like Max Christie being in the uh, going to the draft and potentially even uh, heading to the transfer portal. That's kind of up in the air, uh, a lot of speculation, but uh, they already lost Bingham, they lost Brown. Uh, they're going to need a guy like that back, and uh, so good for him. I-, I give credit to any player who comes back to college for another year, and that leads me to an announcement that went down several hours ago coming from Michigan camp. Hunter Dickinson will be returning to Michigan for at least one more year. I would be surprised if he plays four years at U of M, but you never know. I love this as a Michigan fan. I love Hunter Dickinson. He's been a very fun player to watch. I I get the hate. I mean, you know, he's the kind of guy, I wrote this in the blog I put out. If he was on an opposing team, I wouldn't be able to stand him, but I'm glad he's on my team. He's very similar. Now, he's not... There's different players because the the guy I'm about to bring up was just a rebounding machine while Dickinson is tall and does collect his fair share of boards. Um, these guys were different sensibilities as players, but he's very similar to Draymond Green. Like, I, I don't have anything against him as a guy, but as a basketball player, I can't stand Draymond Green. I couldn't stand him when he was at Michigan State. I can't stand him on the Warriors. And the reason I can't stand him is because he's so freaking good and all the the shit talking he does, he backs up. He's got rings. He's been to two Final Fours, right? He's got Big Ten Championship rings, Big Ten Tournament Championship rings. He's been successful everywhere he goes. It seems like he rarely ever fails. And as much as I don't want to stand a guy like that, you sure as hell have to respect him. Like, he's an all-timer, right? He's probably going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. Hunter Dickinson, at least in from a college standpoint, is kind of the Michigan equivalent of that, a guy that a lot of fans, opposing fans, do not like. He play, plays the heel role. Like, he plays into it. I think there's very much a self-awareness to Hunter Dickinson as well that I really like. But beyond the, the, the theatrics of it, this is an amazing announcement for Michigan. As of the time of this recording, we do not know if Musa Diabate and Caleb Houston are going to be coming back. I will talk about that probably on Friday's show, but the, your your instant offense a season ago, your biggest weapon is back. And I, you know, I see takes getting thrown around on Twitter. and It's such nonsense, and I probably shouldn't talk about it, but if the basis of your argument is, oh, well, I guess this means that Hunter Dickinson just isn't going to be a good NBA player, and I love Hunter, like I just said, who cares? Why does that matter for next season? Hunter Dickinson is a college basketball player. I want him to be successful playing college basketball. Rivalry arguments are so freaking dumb sometimes. And by the way, it goes both ways. I remember when it was announced that Cassius Winston was coming back for his senior year reading that same stuff. Oh, I guess he just doesn't have it for the NBA. But yeah, no, keep, keep talking that shit, see where it gets you. Yeah, and you know what? Cassius Winston, I'm not even trying to make a joke. Has he scored, what, like six points in the NBA? Who cares? I don't care because when it was announced that that guy was coming back for his senior season, I got a shiver up and down my spine because I knew he was going to pulverize my team, which he did. One of the best college basketball performances of all time, or not of all time, but at least that I saw, was his performance in the Breslin uh, his senior year. He played incredible. you know, An amazing, amazing player. I feel that way about Dickinson. Maybe he makes it in the NBA. Maybe he doesn't. But to me, I give credit to any college basketball player who chooses to come back because I have seen way worse college basketball players who decided to go pro after one or two years. Guys who I looked at and went, man, this guy's got nothing. He's going to get eaten alive. Left, bolted, first opportunity they got. Now, it's where I also think, and I would like to see Hunter talk about this. It would be an honor to interview him one day. NIL has changed things for the better. NIL will create opportunities for players to stay longer, and I think it will present an opportunity for... The NSA to, quite frankly, right the wrongs of the past. I usually don't like being this guy because when people go off about how ridiculous it was that college athletes weren't getting paid before last year, while all those arguments were very sound and salient, sometimes they just went a little bit nuts. And this, and this, and this, and this, and this. We got it. We got it. We got it. You want college players to get paid. But with that said, Going forward, I think we're gonna look back and say it was embarrassing that something like NIL did not exist prior to 2021. And I think especially in college basketball, football, when you have the three-year window, it's a little bit different. But I really don't think that Hunter Dickinson would be back if not for the money he's made off of Nil. Now, I'm not gonna speak for him, that's a prediction. Um, I, I don't know I do not know what kind of decision he would have made but and the reason I bring that up is not because like NIL has not made Hunter Dickinson a better player though he's so damn good but it was talked about back in the Fab Five documentary and this documentary came out in 2011 about a team that played in the early 90s where yeah Michigan technically committed these violations but Jalen and Juwan and Chris Weber came out and were like man when you grow up as a poor kid and then you get to college and people are screaming your name and wearing your jerseys and celebrating you and you can't get a dime off of that? Like, yeah, I'm going to take a free lunch. I'm going to have somebody buy me some free shoes. Like, I do think that was pretty darn embarrassing for a long time. And I think it's allowed the opportunity for somebody like Hunter Dickinson who is good for college basketball. Whether you like him or not, Hunter Dickinson moves the needle. And for Michigan, as a team, as a program, it's going to make a huge difference. I think that he's... I do think he still has another another layer to his game that he can add. As a pick-and-pop guy, he improved uh, from three-point range a season ago. Uh, defensively, I think uh, he still has a little bit of work to do. I think there's a lot of things that he could still add to his game. I was not super shocked by this. A month ago, I would have been. But as time went on and I was starting to hear the rumblings, I kind of got in my head like, yeah, I think he's coming back. And um, Hunter Dickinson's coming back. Good for him. All right, now that'll do it for today's show. Uh, A bit of a wonky one. I hope it was a good one. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014 while you're at it. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button if you're on YouTube, of course. Let's get those watch hours up, up, up. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify, whatever podcasting platform of those two that you prefer to listen on. Go ahead. Have at it. Subscribe. Uh, post a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I don't know if you can do that on Spotify. I'm not sure. I've never used Spotify ever in my life, but I know it's a big deal. Gosh darn it. So thank you very much for watching and or listening, everybody. I'll be right back here on Friday with another program. Have a great rest of your day. Peace and happiness.